skin infection, nursing care for children who have uh, integumentary disorder. Now, skin, I'm going to use the word skin, but it's the same as the integumentary system. Now, skin infections could be due to bacterial infection, viral infection, or even fungal infection. So, um, anthropoid bites, like uh, stings from anthropoids and flies, mosquitoes, chi uh, tigers, bees, fire ants, mites, ticks, spiders, scorpions. Those are different insects, different kinds of anthropoids that can cause skin irritation and can cause skin infection. Now, what is important about these things, my concern is going to be around when you have a spider bite, what is the quickest nursing intervention? When you have a bee stings, what can you do to put the under control outside the hospital and what can you do in the hospital? Those are things the anchors are concerned about when it comes to nursing. Now, um, bacterial skin infection could, could include Pyloderma, pyloderma, um, pyloderma could have bacterial skin, it could be bacterial skin infection, folliculitis, all these things are different bacterial skin infection. Like you have like a, this staphylococcus skyder skin syndrome. Those are all bacterial skin infection. Now, for viral skin infection, we have, like, for example, you can have the the veruc the the veruca is V E double R U C A. It's a viral skin infection. You can also have like a varicella zoster viral skin infection. You can have the molluscum. You can have uh, the herpes simplex. Those are all viral skin infection. Now. Formal skin infection could be like the tinea, tinea capitis, all the kind of tinea are all fungal skin infection. And uh, you have like uh, those candidiasis, trash or moniliasis, those are all fungal skin infection. So in the end class, we want to understand what can we do if we have bacterial skin infection, what can we use? If we have fungal skin infection, what can we do? if we have viral skin infection. So if, a, if someone who has like moniliasis, trash, we cannot use antiviral to treat moniliasis because it is not a viral condition, it is a fungal condition. We cannot use um, antifungal to treat antiviral, and we cannot use antibiotics or antibiotics to treat fungal infection, it's not gonna work. So we must know the symptoms for viral infections, the symptom for bacterial infections and the symptom for fungal infection and where these things going to come. Now, in the end class, we also want to know the different kind of fungal infection. Those tinea, tinea carpitis, tinea eugorium, tinea coris, tinea caporis. Those are different skin infections that, is, that has a fungal origin. So we want to know exactly what about tinea uh, caporis, tinea carpitis, all those different tenure infection, what are they talking about? What can we do to treat those conditions? It is important to look at those two.
So in the end class, we're going to look at these things and know exactly what can we do with them. Now, now the risk factor, I'm going to start with bacterial infection. Generally, bacterial skin infection risk factor. So for bacteria, don't look at the risk factor for bacteria. Now for bacterial infection, um, when we have contact with the infected person, that's how we're going to get bacterial skin infection. So most, 99.9% of the bacterial skin infection, it is contagious from direct contact or skin contact with the person who is infected already with the bacterial organism. Now, also it could be acquired through congenital disease, like in the case of delivery or during birth or in utero. So it is also congenital. Um, you can have bacterial infection through congenital contact. It can also, you can also have bacterial infection when you have an immunosuppressed system. Your immune is not strong enough to withstand uh, uh, bacterial invasion. You can also be exposed to it. Those are things we talk about. Also, we can also have like a generalized malignancy. It can be the cause of it. Now, for the viral, viral also, you got to have a direct contact with the patient who has the condition. So viral is direct skin contact for viral. Bacteria is, is direct, it's too continental. It can also be true um, immunosuppression. For the fungal, fungal could be also direct infection. The fungal infection could be direct infection. And then it can also be geographical, meaning there are certain fungal infection that I found in a particular geographical locations might not be found in other locations for the uh, fungal infection. So these are things I want to just talk about. Then uh, we can move on to look at other, con uh, other, other, other parts. Now I will send you a chart. In this chart, um, we're talking about all, all the bacterial skin infection and the causes of the agents and how do we manage them. Now, it take a turn and look at that. Take, for example, when you have impedical contagiosa. How do you manage impedical contag uh, contagiosa? What are the symptoms for this condition? Because in skin infection, there are negative for skin infection. How can we diagnose skin infection? Mostly it can be due to physical assessment for skin infection. Take, for example, if someone has... Um, Impetigo contagiosa. Now, this is a skin infection. It is a bacterial skin infection. It is called by staph coccus bacteria. Uh, the client will have reddish macules. They will have macules on their skin that will appear red. Now, we have to understand how to diagnose skin condition just by looking at the condition or by doing a physical assessment by the, with the help of, of inspection to diagnose this skin condition. We have to know that. Now, if we diagnose them, how can we provide management? We can treat this condition, this impedible contagiosa. It can be treated with triple action cream, antibacterial, triple action, uh, antibacterial, oh, sorry, an anti 
Biotin can be treated can treat this condition or antibacterial, any of the anti-infective anti can treat this particular uh, impedical contagiosa. Now, we are also, we could use oral or parenteral antibiotics. It could be oral, taken by PO, it could be through injectable, it could be through IM or IV. We can also use those routes to treat uh, skin infection that uh, has an origin with the impedical contagiosa. So I'm going to give you a chart. This chart will help you look look at the chart and exactly you know what's happening. Then you have the MRSA, the multi-resistant staph oral condition, MRSA condition. You look at them. I will give you the one with the viral origin, the viral infections. Uh, how do you treat them? Look at those things. Learn them well. Like when you have herpesoster or shingles. What are the symptoms for shingles? What is the concern of the nurse when a patient has shingles? What can you do to manage shingles or varicella zoster infect skin infection? Everything in there. Now, uh, somebody sent me a text about this shingle, and they were, it's, it's in the Sinders book. And I was so impressed because they were reading and they saw it in the book. <clears throat> and they talk about borrows. Borrows is a word that links with this. Uh, these microorganisms burrows. So the burrows are holes. So these are holes that are created by these microorganisms. So there are some microorganisms that will make burrows. Burrows are smaller holes. They will make these burrows put in their, their, their mites or their eggs in those burrows. So you are in the sanders, we talk about it, someone so so must talk about it. It is in there. So I will give you a table for each infection, bacterial infection, viral skin infection, and fungal skin infection. For the fungal skin infection, you have to understand the different skin infection of fungus. Example, you have the thin, the tinea capitis. Now, tinea capitis, um, tinea capitis, um, it is the scalp fungal infection. Scalp. You have ringworm of the scalp. It's called ringworm of the scalp. Ringworm um, of the scalp. Tanya capitis. Now you also have um, Tanya corporis. Corporis is ringworm of the body. Corporis means body. Ringworm of the body. You have Tanya corporis. You have Tanya curis. Curis. C. R-U-C-R-U-R-S. C-R-U-R-I-S, I mean. C-R-U-R-I-S. Um, it's called a jot itch. <clears throat> it's called jot, J-O-C-K, jot itch. Now, you have the tenia chorus, the jot itch. <clears throat> you have the tenia pedis, athlete foot. Tenia pedis is athlete foot. Uh, you have this. Now, you want to understand these conditions, you want to understand the meaning of these different fungal infections and how can we manage them. We have the nursing management and we have the medical management for this condition. It is important to know these things very well. So I'm going to give you these things to go over them and have an idea on them. Then, one of the most important areas of this skin infection is um, when we talk about the different bites, bites of an, of an insect. Like you have mosquito bites, 
fleas bites, flies bite. What can you do when you have a mosquito bite? What can be done nursing wise for other bites or other things? You have the beads, the wasps, the hornets, the fire ants, yellow jackets. When these things sting you, when they sting you, what are the manner you want to do? What can you do? In the case of bees, the first thing you want to do is when a bee, when, when there's a bee uh, attack on the body, you want to make sure you remove if the bee is stuck in the in the tissue of the patient. You cannot it cannot stay in there and you treat it or you provide care. It got to be removed. So I will give you a tab a, a, a table of these things. Then you have the lymph disease that is caused by the ticks. Ticks or ticks can cause lymph disease. We have them. We have this the different spot like uh, the brown spider. <clears throat> you have like a uh, the black widow spider. You have the scorpion. Scorpion bite. What do you do next to scorpion bite? So I will give you these things. Take your time and look at them one at a time. It is important to look at these different skin infection that is being caused by these organisms. Whether they are microorganisms, whether they are anthropods or other, other, other insects, take your time and look at them and make sure you read them well for moving ahead. So I will give you all of them in a group chat. Go ahead and look at this key infection. Any question on this key infection? Any question? Now, so we'll have to look at these things one at a time and make sure you understand what's happening in here. Then we have scabies. I'm, 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 I'm also going to be concerned about scabiasis, scabies, or what we call the crop crop. Scabiasis or scabies, it is uh, one of the conditions in the anklets that we need to look at it thoroughly because um, the treatment can come in the anklets. When you have, when you're on a peace wall, the peace, you know, whether it is mental hospital, whether it is a medical hospital, or it's a, or it's a, it's a surgical unit, scabies is one of those contagious conditions that is hard to treat when it comes to the hospital. A lot of things happen in there. So we have to put our time into it and look and see what's happening. Another thing about this condition, I want to understand what is happening, what kind of skin or uh, what kind of what kind of skin elevation is occurring in every condition now you have macules you have papules you have vesicle you have um you have vesicle you have wheels you have different skin elevation and every skin elevation has a particular dimension or has a particular guideline that defines it to be example like macules or papules. Now, when someone has uh, shingles, what kind of skin infection they're gonna have? What kind of what kind of skin elevation they're gonna have? When someone has like a, in the case of a, like a, like a, like a chicken pox, right? Or someone has measles, what are they gonna have? So in the anklets, this condition I'm gonna give you. If every, every condition has a particular skin elevation that you need to pay attention and know which skin elevation is, is being caused when a patient has menses, when they have like a bee sting, when they have like a, um, 
when they have like a scabies and other things, you have to understand one at a time what is happening in there. Now, for scabies, let's look at scabies a little bit. For scabies, scabies is uh, there will be itchy skin when there is scabies. Now, scabies skin rashes become very much itchy at night. It is at night most often we're going to have more itchiness or more itching from the scabies infection. Um, scabies will become more often between the fingers. Why? Because you will use the finger to, to, to scratch the scabies. Now, when you scratch the scabies, the scabies might remain in the nails. And then the nails erupt in the in the up uh, or between the finger, it stays there and creates new scabies rashes or infection. So that's why you always see the scabies infection coming between the fingers, on the buttocks, and other part of the body. It's it, it is more prominent in the uh, between the fingers. So you will see it growing between the fingers. Even if you have kids who have scabies, you will see this happening mostly between their fingers. That's why they're going to have the scabies infection occurring. Now, um. One thing about scabies, you will see pencil-like marks. Pencil. Why the said pencil? You will see a pencil-like mark. These are things you want to look at for the anklets. Scabies, you will have pencil-like mark. Why are the pencil-like mark? You will see this long mark because they are like scratching their skin, and the skin cannot be scratched like this. No, they will draw. They will scratch their skin with force from up downward or from down upward so as they're moving the nails on the skin up downward it leaves uh, some long fingernails mark those marks are what we call the pencils like marks on the skin when the patient has scabies so the kids will have this pencil like marks in the end class the end will tell you a patient you 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 computer a skin assessment and the patient has each skin at night and they had this pencil-like mark. What does the nurse anticipate to be that patient diagnosis? They will have all these different skin infections, and that correct answer is going to be scabies. Because scabies are going to have these pencil-like mark when you have scabies. Um, for the infant, for infant, it's spread. It's generalized for infants. For older children. It is not generalized, it comes to a particular location on the body. Now, for the infant, you'll see pimples on their trunk. On the trunk, like around their back, you'll see pimples around there. They're going to grow into scabies and they're going to seep fluids, and then you'll see the, it'll be a fluid filled vesicles in subsequent time. It starts with micules, it graduates into other higher elevation. And subsequently go into vesicle, you're gonna have fluid filled vesicles when you have scabies. Now, they're also gonna have blister, like I said in the palm. They're gonna have a uh, fluid filled blister for the uh, infant. Now, for the young children, most often they will have this blister or these ratchets on the neck, the palms, the shoulder, and under their feet. So for the children, they're going to come in their palms, they're going to come on uh, the palms, the sole of the feet, the neck, and in the head. 
is going to come around them for the inf uh, for the young children. For the older children, mostly it comes in the genital area. For older children, it comes in the genitalia, it comes uh, the hands, the wrists, and also on the abdomen. And you will see the young, the, the older children standing up, scratching the abdomen from down upwards, scratching the abdomen, and you're going to have those pencil-like marks on the abdomen of the older children. Those are direct symptoms of physically for scabies condition. Now, when we have scabies, how do we treat scabies? It is important we look at the scabies treatment. What do we use to treat scabiasis? Um, we got to apply a scabicide, scabicide cream. Scabicide. Scabicide creams are cream that can destroy the quantity agent for scabies, the sarcopti uh, scabies. Now, for these scabies creams, um, they come as 5% uh, permanent trim cream. They are called, they are permanent trim. They are 5% permanent cream that comes as the, the treatment for scabies. Now, you got to rub this cream all over the body for at least 8 to 14 hours. And that's the reason why more often we rub these creams at night. So at, in the evening, the patient showers and uh, we rub these creams at night because it needs to stay on the patient's body for 8 to 14 hours. 8 to 14 hours, it needs to be on the patient's body for this permanent cream. Now, another thing about this cream also, you got to repeat it for at least one to two weeks. They must be repeated every day for one to two weeks before they can be effective on the body. And you don't stop when you begin, when you start the treatment. Because if you stop, it's going to come back. There will be reoccurring of the scabies. So you have to continue from the beginning of the first day up to one to two weeks as prescribed by the doctor. Now, um, when you treat one patient in a household for scabies, you got to treat the entire household. If you treat one patient who has scabies, you got to treat the parents, the siblings, the friends. If they are in a classroom, you got to treat the whole class for scabies because it is contagious and it takes time to get mature and instead of have the skin rashes. Um, you got to also treat everyone that came in contact with the patient during and uh, during the period and 60 days after the infection. During the period and 60 days after the infection, you got to treat everyone that came in contact with the patient, the entire family. You got to make sure you wash the underwear, their towels, their towels, the underwear, the clothing, the sleepwear. They need to be washed in the hot water. I remember back in the days when, when we used to have scabies, when we were little children coming up, they would put our clothes into the pot and they're going to uh, boil the clothes in the hot water and put bleach in them to make sure they are washed and, 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 and the high temperature can kill the microorganisms that are causing the scabies. So, you, so they need to be washed in the hot water very hot water, 
the entire household clothing, including underwears, sleep clothes, beddings, and other things, pajamas. You need to put everything in a in a in a uh, in a washer and wash over water and hot water to be safe. Now, if you have a if you have a carpet in the house, then also clean. Use a vacuum cleaner to clean um, the carpet. You vacuum the carpet. Vacuum the carpet. If you have furniture, you gotta wet the furniture. You gotta wet the furniture in the house because these things, these objects in the house, can house. They can house uh, the scabies uh, mites. So you gotta use everything now. Um, we can also use calamine lotion or we can use cold compresses when the body is itching because it's very itchy. Scabies itch a lot. So if the child is itching, you can use the calamine lotion or use cold compresses to reduce the itching for the children. Um, you will use them until the itching subsides. Now, we can use a drug called avermectin. Avermectin can be used if these measures fail us. We can use avermectin. It's I V E R M E C T I N. It is a drug of choice for scabies infection when they cannot uh they cannot be treated with other measure. With, with, with those cream I talk about, like the payment cream, five percent cream. If those cream cannot help with the condition, you use the other method. We use avermectin to treat the scabies infection. Any question on scabiasis or scabies infection? So these are very important to look at to make sure you do them well. Then we have the pediculosis, hair legs. Hair legs is one of those conditions also that we need to pay more time to to understand a lot about hair legs. So hair legs is important to know a lot about them. Now for the hair leg, um, it's, it's what we call the we call it the pediculosis, pediculosis, um, capitis. Now the hair legs. Um, they are very intense, they itch a lot, they are very small, rare bumps you're going to find on the scalp of the head. Um, they have knights, the knights, they are formed on the shot of the head. The knights are like their eggs or what they leave behind. So this, this, this is the head. Now, they are always formed on the hair shaft, meaning on the body of the hair string. This could be the hair string on the head. On these hair strings, you'll find the nicks for the hair legs along the way. Not on the scalp, they are not found on the scalp, they are found on the, on the shaft, on the shaft of the hair, of the hair, H-A-I-R. So there you can find the nicks, N-I-T-S, of the particular scapitis on the, uh, 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 on the head. Now, we use 1% penetrating shampoo. That's the treatment of choice for hair legs. So remember we use this time 1% penetrating. And we use 5% 
for scabies. For hair legs, we use one percent permanent cream or permanent shampoo. For the scabies, we used five percent. Remember this very well. This is the index point. For scabies, we use five percent. For hair legs, we use one percent permanent cream. In the end, that they might give you both five percent and one percent. Remember, the five percent is to scabies. The one percent is to what penetrating or is to um, the hair layer. Now, we can use this this shampoo or we can use spinal side. We can use the spinal side, spinal side or spinal set of zero point nine percent. Spinal set zero point nine percent. Topical suspension can be used also. Um, we can comb the hair and remove the nits the from the hair. So that's why you see in our, uh, in, our in some part of a rural Liberia, you see people sit in a house or even a house at, at, at night and they will take this white cloth or white clothing and spread it on their laps and they will comb the hair and you will see the droplet from the hair. Those nights are dropping from the hair on the work clothing and then you will see them popping up, popping up with their nails. They put it at the back of their nails and pop them. That's how they do it. So it is so you use the comb to remove the nits, N-I-T-S, from the hair shaft. Then you apply this cream. So the so the so the nits is removed uh, for seven days. Each day you remove it and you apply the shampoo. So you gotta do it seven days in a row. So you comb the hair each day and apply the shampoo for seven days to treat the hair legs with this uh with these creams um you make sure you wash the clothing wash the belly in hot water with detergent it could be uh uh any kind of detergent that can be used to to wash the laundry or, or laundry, laundry detergent can be used to wash the clothing but they should be washed in hot water um for the most difficult cases, we might not use this cream because the cream will not be successful in treating the condition. We use a drug called melatium. We use melatium 0.5%. Melatium 0.5% to treat the condition. It's M-A-L-A-T-H-I-O-M. Melatium 0.5% can be used to treat the hair less. If it is difficult to be treated with those other conditions, we use this particular cream to treat it with it. So we can also go ahead and use uh, it. This we can use this melatium 0.5 percent to treat the hair less with it. Any question on that? Any question? So yes, I have. Now, dermatitis and acne, these are common skin conditions um, of the pediatric population. Um, they have various types. They have contact dermatitis. They have atopic dermatitis, and we have acne itself. Now, for the contact dermatitis, which I'm going to start with, the contact dermatitis, 
this comes mostly in the in the LVN or PNN class, the contact dermatitis. Now, for the contact dermatitis, um, it is an inflammatory reaction. It is an inflammatory reaction um, of the skin. Now, the reason it is called contact dermatitis is because it is an it is a reaction wherein our skin has come in contact with a other chemicals, other irritants. So those irritants and chemicals in the skin might have come in contact with, could be one, it could be chemical, it could be feces, it could be the feces of any other thing, it could be urine, it could be soap that is so harsh for the skin, it could be the ivy poison leaf or ivy poison plant, um, it could also be animals, metals, it could be metals, it could be animals, it could be so many different kind of things uh, that are, or even like medication, it could also be medication, like skin cream, medication, uh, lotion on the body, dye, like some of the dye we use in our hair to change the hair color. If it comes in contact of our skin, uh, it's going to create a reaction. That reaction will leave inflammation. That becomes what we call the contact dermatitis. So in the case of our eye, in the case of our, the IV poison, uh, IV poison plant, you went in the garden and while walking around, your skin came in contact with an IV poison leaves. So the leaves uh, touches your skin and there's a reaction from the body reacting to the leaves that touch your skin. So that reaction will leave an inflammation on your body which we call the contact dermatitis. Now, there are uh, two types of contact. Uh, there are two different conditions on contact dermatitis. Now, those two conditions include one, um, we have what we call um, diaper rash or diaper rashes. Um, this will fall under this dermatitis condition. One is diaper rash. Um, the diaper rash or rashes fall on a contact under this dermatitis condition. Um, this can be caused by detergents. The diaper rash is mostly caused by detergent, soap, or chemical that come in contact with the pediatric genitalia or genital area. So um, that's why sometimes if the child's skin is so sensitive to these chemicals. You do not want to use those lotions, those powder between the child's layer because it's it, it, it going to create rashes that uh, can be resolved from the from the from the diaper. Um, it can also be a result of trash, moniliasis, or other fungal infection, like a Candida albicans, can be the cause of diaper rashes. Um, then we have what we call the seborrheic dermatitis. So this is called diaper dermatitis or diaper dermatitis in short. Then we have the second one is the seborrheic dermatitis. Seborrheic dermatitis. Uh, now this seborrheic dermatitis is one of the kinds of dermatitis. Um, it is uh, um, the cause is unknown. 
the cause is really unknown it is idiopathic we do not know the cause of this condition but uh um it's most common in infancy and puberty um sometimes we call it blepharitis uh, uh it can cause bed it can cause blepharitis it can cause otitis external it can cause uh cradle caps these are different things that comes about when you have the sebaric dermatitis now what is important here is um what can we pick up from these conditions what can be picked up from this condition is what i'm concerned about that is the physical assessment because in the end class we must know these uh different conditions and what are the physical symptoms for this condition in the end class they're going to give us these physical condition symptoms and they will ask them for the management or they will ask us for what they are so we must know how to identify them by physical symptoms to be able to identify their nursing management to be or uh, to, to be put in place now under here for the contact dermatitis um there is always this you have rare bumps coming in you have rare bumps rare bumps will appear on the skin for contact dermatitis you're going to have um a blister there'll be fluid in the rare bumps or blister the client will have a warm skin and it will be very painful so there's rare blister there's warm skin and it is painful um they're going to also have drainage and it might create crust after the drainage is dried up they're going to create crust and the skin will become scaly raw and thicken so the skin becomes scaly um raw and the skin gets thickened after the effect of these rare bumps or these rashes that are going to come that, that, that are going to come in um what is important here is know that this contact dermatitis um it, it can come as a rare it, it come at as rare bumps on the skin that contains fluid and the fluid can remain in there it gets dried up and create crust and these crusts can become scaly raw and get thickened and the marks remain on the skin for a long period of time then for the diaper dermatitis for the diaper dermatitis in this condition um there is big rare rash that extends gradually so they'll have these big red ratches that will extend it will be extensive they will have a very red and scaly areas on the scrotum and the penis of the baby so they are rare they are rare big rare ratches they appears on the scrotum of the baby and also on the baby's uh, 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 penis or around the genitalia area. If it's a female, it will appear on the labia of the vagina for the females. If it is a male, it will appear on the scrotum or on the penis. Now, the reason I'm saying this, in the end class, these ratchets, you got to know them and know their appearance. You got to know where they are appearing for the anklets because in the anklets in some of the anklets questions they are not going to talk about these ratchets alone they will give you um a picture or an exhibit 
this exhibit will show you a particular happiness in the anklets. So this exhibit will ask you, what is, what are you seeing? So they'll ask you, the nurse receive, or uh, the nurse view four patient or view patient with the, the, the following ratchets. What condition is the first ratch or uh, ratchets uh, depicting? A, they will tell you the, the patient has chicken pox. B, they have contact dermatitis. C, they have diaper dermatitis. And D, they are having measles. So it is your ability to identify the ratchets and you know exactly what is what to be able to come and, and, and tell exactly what is happening. Whether it is it is chicken pox or whether it is measles or whether it is uh, or, 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 or contact or diaper dermatitis, you got to identify the, the exhibit and know exactly what's the cause in there. Or it might come the other way around. They will show you the picture of the condition and they ask for the treatment. So the, the picture above uh, on the exhibit shows that a patient had these ratchets. What could be the intervention? Nursing, what, what could be the nursing intervention? So the nurse needs to look at the exhibit and tell exactly what the, what can be done to treat those ratchets. That's what happened in the anchor. So you have to know the ratchets definitions. You got to know how they appear and you got to know the intervention for each and every one of these different types of ratchets that are going to appear with the pediatrics. So for the diaper ratchets or diaper dermatitis, they are red, big red. They extend grad, they extend gradually. They are scaly. They are formed on the scrotal and the penis of the of the male pediatric patient, and they are formed on the labia of the vagina of the female pediatric patient. Um, they appear as pimples. Um, they become blister-like. They get into ulcers, and then <clears throat> they will move into pus-filled sore. Now, so for the for the dapper rat, they come first as one, they come as pimple. So they come now. Pimples, if you look at pimples, pimples are smaller and thinner compared to other ratchets. They are very small and thinner. Okay. So um they come as pimple, then they move into blister. From pimple, they move into blister. That's what happened in here. Now, after they have formed blister, because you know that pimples are like micules. Micules are smaller. Now, from micules, they move into blister. Blister are higher elevation that will contain fluid, that will seep fluid. After blister, after blistering, the next form they're going to take is they will go into ulcer. They become sore. So they will form ulcers in the area. From ulcer, then they become dried up. Um, they can become large bone or drought. Then, um, I'm sorry. After also, they will form bones that will contain pores. So they will become, they will have pores filled. They will be pores filled, pores filled bones. So they begin pimples, blister, also pores filled bones. Then they will get dry and they will go into, they will become sore. That's what happened in the case of the diaper dermatitis. Now, so let's look at, let's look at the, the nursing care for both diaper and contact dermatitis. It is also important to know how they appear and to know what can be done if you have diaper dermatitis or you have contact dermatitis. You have to know the appearance of the contact dermatitis, where they're going to appear, 
know what kind of elevation they're gonna have, know their nursing management. Now, for the contact dermatitis, in the case of contact dermatitis, I'm sorry, uh, let me start with, um, let me start with the, the dapper rash. So for the dapper dermatitis, the first thing you do is that uh, you wanna make sure you remove the soil, the soil dapper from the patient. If that's what causing the ratchets, this kind of be removed. Soil diaper removal. You got to remove it from the patient. That's the first thing you do for contact for diaper dermatitis. Now the next thing you want to do is clean the urine, clean urine uh, for the perineal area with non-irritating cleaner. Now they have diaper wipes. They have baby wipes. They have different kinds of baby wipes. Now there are some baby wipes that are completely non-irritating. They have those cleanser that is just sterilized. You use to clean the baby or uh, perineal area after diaper change. Now there are some that contains other irritating solutions that will irritate the genitalia and will cause problems. So you make sure that you want to use the non-irritating diaper wipe, non-irritating diaper wipes. You use that to clean after you remove the diaper. The next thing you want to do is you want to make sure um, the patient or uh, the patient ex you expose the patient genitalia to air. They have to have breeze blowing the genitalia. It needs to be exposed um, to the atmospheric air to blow the genitalia. You want to also make sure that uh, um, after that you want to use super absorbing disposable diaper to reduce the skin ratchets. That means you want to use a diaper that can absorb the urine instead of the, instead of the urine and other things that come like the feces to come and cut out the child's skin. You want to use the super absorbent diaper for the child when the child is having these diaper ratchets. The next thing you want to, you want to apply a skin barrier. Now, we're going to apply a skin barrier in here. Most often, the most recommended skin barrier is zinc oxide. Zinc oxide. Now, where else can we use zinc oxide? We can also use zinc oxide in the case of burn. So we can use zinc oxide in burn, or we can use silver, 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 or silver ding. Silver ding can be used in burn, and we can also use the zinc oxide uh, when we have burn patients. So, so we want to remember this zinc oxide very well for the inklets. So we can use the zinc oxide. Every time we change the diaper, we'll use a skin barrier such as zinc oxide to protect the client's skin from wetness from the diaper and other things occurring to the child's skin from the diaper. These are recommended nursing management for this condition, diaper dermatitis. Then I move to... Um, Contact dermatitis. Now, remember the cause of this condition. So in the ankles, um, I'm going to give you a short scenario in the ankles. I always say this in the ankles that uh, when you are going for the ankles, it is not everything you learn in the class that you see in the ankles. Now, there will be questions in the ankles that you have never met in your life, that you have never seen, no matter how well you study. There will be one or two questions in the ankles that will make you, to, that will blow your mind out. That you cannot understand for any for anywhere. Now, those questions are questions that you use your tricks to answer those questions. You use your strategy to answer those questions. Take for example, um, 
In the end class, when you get confused to pick a correct answer from an option, from four options, you use the safest options among those four options become the correct answer. Now, so in the case of this dermatitis, uh, this contact dermatitis, you have to ask yourself, what is the causative agent? What causing the contact dermatitis? We said we have items that come in contact with the skin. It could be soap. It could be insect. It could be animal. It could be plants. It could be anything that comes in contact with the skin that will cause the skin to be irritated, that will cause inflammation. So if that's the case, then the first next measurement for this condition is to remove the atom that has come in contact with the, with the skin. So you remove the irritant. That's the first thing here. You remove the irritant, meaning what is causing the skin to get reaction. You remove that from the skin. That's the first thing you do. Now the next thing you do on here is you limit further exposure. If this person is having exposure to 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 avi to avi uh, to avi poison, uh, that means they cannot be exposed to avi to um, avi poison or avi poison plants. So you take that away from them. Make sure they stay safe. That is all about contact dermatitis. Any question? Then we look at um. What can we do? This is specifically for the ankles. When a patient appears on uh, the ER or under your watch, and the patient was exposed to IV poison plant, they were exposed to IV poison plant or leaf. What can you do? Now, they have a specific management that we use to treat IV poison. Now, the first thing is, you cleanse the area as soon as possible. Clean the area. It could be the skin. Cleanse um, the skin as soon as possible. ASAP. ASAP. Clean the skin as soon. The moment it comes in, clean up the skin. The first thing is, you clean the skin uh, of it. You can use a cold running water. So you go towards the sink, you open the sink, you allow the sink to pour water on the skin where you came in contact with the Abbey Lake plant to clean the skin. You do that, that's the first thing you do. Um, then you use soap and shower or to cleanse the skin. The next thing you do is um, your clothes, your shoes should be cleansed in hot water with detergent. Now, after you come in contact with the Abbey plants, your clothes your shoes everything that you took to the garden where the ivy plants were located or they are you must wash those things in hot water or else after that you will still come in contact with those material you took out of the garden and you might still have another skin problem coming in because of the contact of the ivy plant um you want to also make sure you apply calamine lotion you apply calamine lotion and um, where else do we see carbon lotion? Carbon lotion can be also applied in the case of chicken pox. So we can use chicken, we can use also this carbon lotion in chicken pox. When a patient has chicken pox, skin problem, skin problem, uh, we use um, carbon lotion to what? To help to dry the vesicles that will be created for the chicken pox on the skin. Now, 
Um, we use calabi lotion in the case of poison plant exposure. We make sure um, we use we can use boro solutions compression. We use boro b u r o w boro solution compression um, devices. Um, we use that. We also want to make sure we use. We use some natural, um, we can also use some natural uh, colloidal oatmeal bath. So we use what we call the, nat the natural, we use, we can use natural colloidal oatmeal bath. When you have the skin being exposed to, um, to uh, avid plants. Lastly, we can use corticosteroids because the skin will have some uh, reaction. So the corticosteroid will help to reduce the reaction. We can use corticosteroid, corticosteroid gel. Can be used. Corticosteroid gels can be used. Or uh, we can also use um, oral corticosteroids for several skin reaction of the face, the neck, and the genitalia that is not responsive to these topical solutions so we can use po medication to also administer to make sure that uh, we are come out of the, of the avi poison plant and it is not uh, responding to these lotions we want to use on the skin yeah ot Yeah, one of the things I too, most of the uh, uh, resources, do you use the carbonation? Yes, we can only use carbonation for miso's. Yeah, it helps also. But the, the, the cream of choice for vest for chicken pox is calamine lotion. Now, so that, that is just the nursing management for poison ivy leaf plant. Now, Let's look at the last one, the seborrheic dermatitis. Seborrheic dermatitis. Um, if a patient has or having a seborrheic dermatitis, what do we do? What are the nursing management for seborrheic dermatitis? Seborrheic um, dermatitis. Now, for the seborrheic dermatitis, you want to make sure you treat by scrubbing the scalp to remove the scales and crusted area you gotta scrub the scalp gently scrub scrub the scalp gently to remove um to remove the crust or the, to remove the crusted areas now we can we can use the petrol latum we can use petrol latum or rub or ointment is greasy we can also use vegetable oil vegetable vegetable oil um to rub to rub it we can also use mineral oil which is also helpful so we can use uh mineral oil which can be also helpful so we scrub the scalp and use this uh ointment on the scalp in the case of seborrheic dermatitis um, we can use a fine tooth comb 
Meaning the comb that got smaller tooth, or that got smaller teeth, we can use it the while to comb the hair. Um, we can also use shampoo daily. We can use an anti-seboric shampoo. We can use an anti-seboric, um, anti-seboric shampoo can be used for um, the seboric dermatitis. These are just things you do for this condition. We can use other medications like uh, we can use uh, antihistamines like uh, Benadryl can be used. Benadryl is an antihistamine. We can use hydroxyzine, which is um, um, uh, uh, is, which is a uh, Vistera. We can use Vistera. Hydroxyzine. Um, we can use out the hat. We can use the Benadryl itself, which is 100% Benadryl. We can use the Benadryl. Um, or we can use the hydroxyzine. Hydroxyzine. Hydroxyzine contains Benadryl. Uh, it's also called the Vistera. Um, this can also be used as an anti-anxiety medication. Uh, we use this mostly when a patient has anxiety. We can use this for the patient. Um, it can also be used as uh, uh, anti-histamine medication to treat uh, reaction for other things that we have. We can we can provide antibiotics if the patient is at risk for developing secondary infection. So we can give the patient antibiotics when the patient has these skin conditions. Um, we can also look up for common things like uh, we can give antifungal ointments if the patient develops uh, uh, candidiasis. We can give clotrimazole for the patient. Um, so those are things about these conditions. Any question? For the eczema, or we call it AD, atopic dermatitis. So atopic dermatitis is one of the types of eczema. Um, it is also one of the integumentary disorders. It is not specific. Uh, uh, it is kind of about there is pruritus. Now, I want you to understand these words I'm using. For eczema, we we'll use pruritus. Pruritus is the kind of skin elevations we're going to observe in the case of eczema, in the case of atopic dermatitis, pruritus. Now, we, we, we did not say bumps. We did not use the word um, macules. We did not use the word papules. We did not use the word vesicle. We use pruritus. Now, there is a difference between pruritus and macules in order for mosquito elevation. Now, um, for this AD condition, um, the patient might have other uh, allergies that might give rise to this atopic dermatitis. Now, it is classified based on the child's age, um, on, on how the lesions are distributed. Now, the way uh, pruritus can be dis dispersed around the body in different form. Now, what is important here is... Um, these lesions are distributed according to, that's how we classify them. Um, for this condition, it cannot be cured, but it can be controlled. So if we have AD, AD cannot be cured, but it can be controlled. Now for the assessment, um, there will be 
a history of recent exposure to other medication, the patient might have been exposed to recent medication that might cause the patient to have these pruritics on the skin. Um, they might also have intense pruritics. Um, sometimes they could be exposed to food that they are allergic to that causing the pruritics to come about, the pruritics to come about. Um, they will have hypo skin pigmentation. They're going to have a bluish skin discoloration of the eyes. They will have lymph adenopathy occurring when they have this AD condition. They're going to have wound infection that will be swelling. They will have prolonged drainage from the wound when they have this condition. And they are also going to have pains, increased temp, like fever. And they're going to have redness that will extend beyond the wound margin when they have atopic dermatitis. Just so you know that. Um, so this is just basic things. For the nursing intervention for this condition, um, which I'm concerned about, you keep the skin hydrated. For eczema, you want to make sure you keep the skin hydrated because the skin is dry, it will cause it to, it will, it, it will exacerbate the condition. So the patient might use a tepid bath to keep the skin moisturized or to keep the skin hydrated. Um, the patient also under here, we can use um, soap or without soap, but the skin needs to be hydrated. Um, we make sure we got to apply emollient. We got to apply emollient on the skin after bath. The emollient should be applied within three minutes after bath. After bath, the patient it should be applied. Emollient is applied um, within three minutes after bath. You do not want to allow the skin to get dry before you apply the, emo the emollient. It should be applied within three minutes. Now, this is an anchor's point. In the anchor, where you see these numbers, the timing, the interval, the duration, Please remember them well for this uh, nursing management. For this nursing management, they are very important. Um, they should have at least two to three baths, maybe given a day, with one at that time. So within the daytime, they can have two or three baths within the day. At that time, they can have the last bath before bedtime, just to keep the skin hydrated. We gotta avoid excessive heat and sweating because the heat and sweating will increase the rashes, the itching. In the case of this condition, we have to also avoid, make sure we avoid irritants. Um, irritants, in this case, could be the soap. Um, they got to avoid soap. They got to avoid bubble bath. They got to avoid doing bubble bath because this, this bubble bath contains chemicals that will irritate the skin and just cause more problems for the skin. Um, they got to also avoid um um some soap perfumes and some fabric softener in the clothes when they are doing laundry for them those fabric softener we use contains chemical that will irritate the skin and cause more complication when the child has eczema um they got to make sure we provide support to the child and the family watch the skin falls and those areas of the genitalia frequently with water assist in identifying the causative agent and do over it forever. 
We can also give the same medication the antihistamines, which include the Vestura or the Loretadine, or we can give, I'm sorry, uh, we can give uh, Benadryl. We can also give Loretadine or Fizofinadine. So we can also administer Loretadine, or we can administer the Fizofinadine. For a patient who have eczema. Any question? Any question? Acne is the most common condition, skin condition during adolescence. So every adolescent kid, if not 99%, um, will experience acne eruption at the adolescence age. Acne is not life-threatening condition. It is self-limiting. It does not need treatment, meaning it goes away by itself. Um, acne involves uh, what we call the pelosebaceous follicles. It involves pelosebaceous. Um, this is very not important for the ankles. Pilo sebaceous follicle. It is not important for the ankles, so don't bother about it. Um, it is uh, involved the pilosebaceous follicles, which is the hair follicles of the face, the neck, the chest, and the upper back. So what you need to understand is that acne, acne is most commonly found um, in the, at, uh, let's say, the, the, the most common area the face, you have the back. Um, it can also be found mostly within the chest and the neck the chest and the neck area that's where the act the the neck area that's where the acne will come like a, it will cover the area a lot so you have the the, the the upper back to be specific the upper back the chest the face and the neck now if you have if you have an adolescent kid that uh at the, at the age at the age of adolescence the neck coming from the neck down here to the chest area, you'll see an eruption of acne. It would map the entire body surface in those areas. There where it is located. Um, they have, it is a bacterial infection. Acne is a bacterial infection. It is a propionobacterium propion, infection. Uh, that's what causes, uh, it, that propionobacterium is what causes acne. Now that's why I want you to understand about this. Uh, know that it is uh, it is a bacterial infection. That's one. Two. Know that it is it, it is most commonly spread around the neck, the face, the upper back, and the chest. That is it for those areas. Um, there are lesions. The lesions under here, they are called the comedons. Comedons are what we call. Uh, they, are, they are called the comedon, C-O-M-E-D-O-N-E-S. So the lesions that are within acne, they are called the comedon lesions. Now, um, these lesions, they are most commonly located in those area. Um, they have two types. They can either be the black heads, which, which means they are open, or the white hair, they are closed. Now the lesion that comes, the lesions that come on the body when you have acne, 
There are two types. So they have the black head lesion. The black head lesion. The black head. Now the black hair lesion meaning the lesions are open. So you see the black hair in the lesion meaning they are open lesion, or they will form the white head. The white head are uh, meaning they are closed. They are closed lesion. So if they have a black hair, meaning they are open lesions, or they have a white hair, meaning they are closed lesion. I want you to understand that about this lesion. That's it. Um the next thing is the next one for this lesion. Uh, we want to make sure that uh, uh, the family needs to understand this condition. Now, so the way in which I told you that, that the family needs to understand the condition, meaning if we are to generate a nursing diagnosis for this condition, I mean nursing diagnosis for this condition, so one of the top most nursing dx is going to be knowledge deficit because um knowledge deficit as a nursing diagnosis the patient and the family need to understand the knowledge base for this condition because if they do not understand what is causing the ragged on this child body they're going to go ahead and keep providing treatment worrying about it but they need not to work because the condition is self-limiting. It does not need treatment. Yes, they have treatment for it, but even without treatment, it is self-limiting. So because of knowledge deficit, the parents of the child, they will keep in sort of treatment. That means this nursing diagnosis is a top priority for this condition. That's what it said. The family and the patient need to be educated about this about 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 this acne so if acne came into the acne this will be one of the this, this, will, be, this will be one of the nursing diagnosis for acne depending on the question in the end class now another thing about acne is um we want to make sure that uh, um we discuss the adherence with we discuss the importance of the adherence of the prescribed plan of care now we want to provide written uh method of teaching for the patient and the and the patient's family. We want to teach the child to gently wash the face, the affected areas, avoid scrubbing, and abrasive cleaner. We cannot scrub the area of the skin. We cannot scrub the skin. If the child has acne, we cannot scrub the acne. We cannot use abrasion. Guess what? The reason is when you have acne on your body, everywhere you're gonna you're gonna burst the acne, the fluid from the acne, when you touch about the body, new ones grow to those areas. And that's why you see people like busting acne on their face. You wanna look after yes, the face get damaged. You do not have to burst it because whenever you burst it, whatsoever the fluid will rub, it's gonna create new acne in those areas. That's why you cannot scrub it, you cannot uh use to scrape it off or to like burst it because it will create more. That's the rationale for that. Um, another thing on here is you make sure you monitor um, depression or because the kids, the kids going to have other problems. Uh, they're going to have, they're going to be worried about their facial their, their facial appearance. When you come on the face too much, they will, they will have mirror in their hand, look at their face, trying to burst it off. 
thing is that when, when, when the more you brush it, it's gonna go out. No, the more you brush it, the more it comes out on the face. Um, we also make sure that uh, they they will get on the medication called tritinium. They will get on a, a drug called um, asotritinium. Asotritinium. Now, it is a, just a choice also for acne. Despite it is self-limiting, if it becomes severe, we can give the drug called asotritinium. This medication, when the patient is on the medication, it increases depression. They will have depression. And when they are having depression, they're going to have increased suicidal ideation. They will have increased SR, increased suicidal ideation, meaning they will have increased SR when they are having um, this acne. So watch out for that. Now, this medication, um, it interrupts. We cannot hear you. No, sir. What? We can hear you. Now, um, I'm sorry. I, I I had it on mute all the time, all along. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. So um, this medication they use the astrotretinoin to treat the acne if it gets severe, and uh, the this astrotretinoin can cause depression for the patient, and when they have depression, they're going to have um suicidal ideation they will have increased suicidal ideation or increased SI they're gonna have it with the use of the acid treating them um, another thing is you want to make sure um, you inform the patient about this medication it can even the skin tell the patient to wait at least after rubbing this medication they got to wait for at least 20 to 30 minutes before they can wash it out um, they got to make sure also um, they got to use a pea-sized amount of medication to apply at night. They got to avoid the sun ray when you are using acetylcholine medication. They got to avoid the sun ray because it's going to cause skin cancer or other skin problem. If you rub it and you expose, you are exposed to the sun ray. Um, you, you, you can use a sunscreen. We can use a sunscreen that is uh, SPF 15 or above. If you're using a sunscreen cream or anything for the skin, it'll be above SP 15 to help to protect the skin. Um, you want to make sure you avoid sunburn because it's going to cause problems. It's going to cause complication. If you are using the medication treating them a lot and, and you're still having sunburn, it's going to cause complication. We can also use the benzo, the benzoyl peroxide for um, acne. We can use the benzoyl, um, the benzoyl peroxide uh, medication for acne also. For the benzoyl peroxide, it is an antibacterial agent. Um, it inhibits, meaning it prevents the growth. Of the of, of the acne agent, um, we can also this medication can can bleach linen, towers, clothing, but not the skin. This benzoyl peroxide bleaches, um, it bleaches clothing, 
it will bleach the tower and it will also bleach um uh leanings but it does not bleach the skin so when you are using this benzo uh, benzo peroxide your clothes you're wearing make sure that you, you use it at a time you don't go and use it with other clothing they're going to bleach those clothing but it does not bleach the skin um this medication um we can also use these drugs can be used you want to make sure for the acid for the acid uh it's only prescribed by dermatologists it is not an otc drug meaning it, it cannot be bought over the counter it needs to be prescribed by a dermatologist um it has an average effect of creating dry skin um dry eyes it decreases night vision this medication isotretinium the isotretinium this isotretinium can decrease night vision you have decreased night vision when you're on the medication it can cause a uh, dry mucous membrane it can cause um dry skin it can cause um other effects like a uh, headaches it can cause cholesterol to become elevated it can also elevate triglyceride level in the body it also um causes depression like i said the patient will have increased suicidal ideation they want to commit suicide when they're on the medication um, they can also have some violent behavior um, so because of that when the patient is prescribed the medication you want to make sure you monitor for behavioral changes when they are on the actual treating them now I'm technically going to go through this drug because this is one of the drugs that is frequently administered in the ankles is frequently talked about in the ankles the astrotretinium now this medication you do not take it in pregnancy because it is teratogenic it is teratogenic meaning it has the ability to cross the placenta and destroy the fetus or whatsoever implant you have in the uterus when you are pregnant so it is not for pregnancy um this medication, um, if you are on this medication, you have to be on oral contraceptives. Um, if you are active sexually, you need to be on two types of of contraceptives to prevent pregnancy. Because if you take it along with those, if you take it and you are you are pregnant, it's going to cause some some other congenital abnormality to the to the fetus or to the baby when the child is born. It might even it not it might it destroys the pregnancy when you are pregnant and you're on this medication. Um, this medication, if the woman is sexually active, the patient must agree to use two forms of effective contraceptives at least one month before and during the treatment, and at least one month after the treatment. So we use one month before the treatment. Now you must use one month before the treatment. You gotta use one month uh, preventive measure for pregnancy. 
before you start the treatment and you will use one month prevention for pregnancy after the treatment has ended to prevent pregnancy if you get pregnant after even a month of this medication you can still have problems any question so this ends um it ends for us uh now burns there are different types of burns when it comes to pediatrics skin conditions so burns fall under nursing care for children who have integumental disorders now for burns we have different categories of burns we have um thermal burn thermal burns we have chemical burns we have electric burn we have radio we have radioactive burn we have different kind of burns and uh all of these burns definitely destroy the skin integrity um the type and severity of burn affects the treatment plan so thermal burn occur when there is an exposure to flames or hot surfaces so thermal thermal burn occur when it's, when the skin is exposed to hot surfaces that's when we experience thermal burns uh the skin is exposed to hot liquid or flames flames uh from candlelight and other things when the skin is exposed to those hot areas hot surfaces flames it causes thermal burns then chemical burns occur when there is like a caustic agent like acid that's chemical burn the caustic soda caustic soda or caustic agents um acid it could be sulfuric acid that is formed within a car battery it can cause chemical burns or sometimes alkali the battery will put in uh, the triple a double a or those battery they can cause uh, chemical burns um or even organic compounds organic compounds can also cause chemical burns that can break the skin integrity what is important here is um i'll come to the most important but let me just go through this now we have electrical burn electrical burns occur when our body part is exposed to current to electrical current um that can cause chemical burn now this burn can be can result into severe damage including organ damage or tissue damage that will lead to instant loss of the patient that is exposed to 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 to, 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 to the electrical burn so when you get electrocuted it could lead to amputation of your legs your arm or body part that got exposed to it, to the electric appliance um it could lead to cardiac arrest that's why when you are somewhere somebody have a someone is being electrocuted or the person get off that person you want to start to do cpr right because the person heart has lost waves so you have to go into to begin to do cpr that could also revive the patient um there are different kind of burns um uh, that is burned to the skin 
So we have first, second, third, and fourth degree burns. Now, if you have not learned anything in the anchors about the skin, please know the burns and their effects. You have first degree burn, you have second degree burn, you have third degree burn, and you have fourth degree burn. Please know these ones. Know them to your fingertip. Know how to identify a first degree, second degree, third, and fourth degree burns just by looking at the burn picture. In the end class, more often, most often, they will only bring you the picture of this skin integrity break uh, breakdown of skin integrity and ask you what degree of burn you are seeing in the exhibit in the endless now um in first degree burns um we have superficial tissue damage first degree burns there will be a damage to the epidermis of the skin in first degree burn there is damage. There is a damage to the skin epidermis in the first degree burn. There is damage to the skin epidermis in first degree burn. Now, um, in first degree burn, um, it is superficial. It's superficial. Now. In first degree burn, how it appears. I want you to honor these things accordingly. There will be damage to the epidermis in first degree burn. It appears pink. The appearance is pink to red in color. There is no blister occurring in first degree burn. That is one point of that. It appears pink to red. It will appear pink to red. In color there is no blister occurring in first degree burn there is no blister occurring in first degree burn um the first degree burn there can be blanching blanching is if you press on the skin the skin is removed but at the beginning of the first degree burn there is no blanching but blanching can occur when you press on the skin, the skin can blanch, the skin can move apart and you'll see the dermis lie underneath the epidermis or you'll see the, or you'll see the, uh, the, 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 the redness after the skin is removed. But in first degree burn, there is just superficial, there is pink or red color occurring, there is no blister occurring. It is painful, it heals in Three to seven days. It heals in three to seven days. There is no scar. There is no scar tissue. No scar tissue left after first degree burn. Please remember this very well. There is no scar tissue left on the skin. There is no scar after first degree burn. It affects the dermis. Um, it is pink to red in appearance. There is blanching only if the skin undergoes pressure. There will be blanching. There is no scar tissue left. There is no scarring left after first degree burn. That's it. Now, then second degree burns. There are two 
kinds of second degree burn. Let me just come down in this way. There are two kinds of second degree burns. Two kinds or two types. Now, second degree burn might be deep partial thickness or it might be superficial partial thickness in second degree burn. Now, the reason I'm getting this, I'm getting these two narrations about second degree burn is in the end class, you will see a picture that might look like third degree burn, but it is not third degree, it's still second degree. So let's look at the feature of the skin when it's first degree partial thickness, when it's first degree, I'm sorry, when it's seven degree or uh, partial thickness, or when it's seven degree thick, uh, thick or uh, deep thickness. Now, in the first one, it comes in two types. In type one, it is all called a superficial partial thickness. So I will write superficial partial thickness. Superficial partial thickness. First, uh, second degree burn. Then we have a uh, second degree burn. We have what we call the deep partial thickness. Now, under here, um, for the second degree burn, superficial partial thickness, there is damage to the entire epidermis. Under here, there is damage to the entire to the entire epidermis. The entire epidermis is damaged. Meaning it is broken in skin integrity. Um, beyond the epidermis, there is also damage done to the dermis. So it also damages, it damages the dermis. That is the second layer that is formed beneath the epidermis. That is in there. Now, how does it appear? Um, it appears painful. It is moist in appearance. It is wet because there are nerve endings that have gotten destroyed, uh, that gotten exposed. So you will see like sweating when you touch it. It will feel it feels wet or it feels moist because the tissue underneath have been exposed to the atmosphere. So it will seep fluid. It will be oily. It will be moist. You will feel some wetness in your in in your palm when you touch it. When you touch a second degree burn. That's how I'm describing it. So that you can understand it and see it and know it when you see it. Now, second degree burn, um, there is mild to moderate edema. So second degree SPT, there will be mild to moderate. Mild to moderate edema. In second degree superficial partial thickness burn there will be mild to moderate uh edema so there will be swelling it will be a little bit of small swelling occurring in a second degree partial thickness burn um but there is no SHA occurring there is no SHA um occurring in here there is no SHA occurring in here 
there is no extra occurring in the second degree partial thickness burn. Now, in this second degree partial thickness burn, um, it also blanches with pressure. So, with pressure, it blanches with pressure. Meaning, the skin is remaining, the skin is there, but when you press on the skin, it removes the skin due to the pressure of, of that is being applied. Um, it's painful. It heals in less than 21 days. It's painful. It heals within 21 days for this partial superficial part thickness. It heals within 21 days. Um, there is verbal scarring. So meaning there might be scarring. There will be verbal scar scarring of the area when we have second degree burn. So the scarring depends on what you see is a scar left after the healing process has taken place. Um, under here, um, the patient would be very sensitive to temperature touch because when you have second degree burn, <coughs> the nerve cells <coughs> have been affected. So when you touch the patient's skin, they will feel that touch because the nerve cells have been exposed. So when you touch the skin where the burn occur, they will feel that sensation, unlike in first degree burn. So in first degree burn, there will not be too much uh, sensation in the, because the nerve cells were not affected. So in second degree burns, the nerve cells are exposed. So there will be some sensation when you touch or when there's temperature increment in, the, in those areas. Um, then, for the thick, for the deep partial thickness burn. Now, the, 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 the number two portion of this second degree burn is the deep partial thickness burn. Now, in the deep partial thickness burn, the deep partial thickness burn, under here, what we are seeing here is for the deep partial thickness burn, there will be damage the same way to the epidermis and some part of the dermis get damaged. Now, so under here, so what happens here? One and two under here will be applied in the deep partial thickness burn in second degree. So second degree has two types of burns. It could be second degree superficial partial thickness or it could be second degree deep partial thickness in the second degree deep partial thickness what happened in the first in the first degree spt the two things that happen will occur also plus so the two things that happen here that is the epidemic the damage got damaged in the first degree, in the second degree part uh, spt it will occur in the deep partial thickness plus plus the sweat gland and the hair gland follicles will also be affected. Sometimes they remain intact. They will appear red to white in color with blister with moderate edema. 
so there will be blister on here so, so here plus they will have blister on here plus edema so they will have damage to the entire epidermis damage to the dermis then they will have blister plus edema occurring in second, in second degree deep partial thickness now um they're also going to have um a spinful it takes a scene 21 days so the scene 21 day it takes to heal 21 days within this 21 day it's going to heal so this and this fall in the same category they are similar the difference is that there'll be blisters so in seven degree burn there is blister occurring in five degree there is no blister there is no scar seven degree burn there is blister there is scarring occurring it heals in 21 day in five degree burn it heals in three to seven days in five degree burn there is no scar in second degree burn there is scarring in five degree burn there is uh no blanching but with pressure it can occur there is no extra in first degree burn there is extra in second degree burn there is no edema in first degree burn there is edema mild to moderate in second degree burns in first degree burn it affects only the epidermis in second degree burn it affects both the entire epidermis and the dermis look at that comparison very well now then third degree burn i'm going to erase this so in third degree burn in third degree burn um there is what we call the full thickness burn now in this situation in third degree burn it's called the full thickness burn the full thickness burn thickness burn occurring full thickness that means it will burn the epidermis completely it will burn the dermis completely completely and possibly possibly it will also damage the sebaceous tissues if damages sebaceous tissues in the third degree full thickness burn beyond that also um third degree burns um it destroys the nerve endings it destroys the nerve endings the nerve endings are destroyed in third degree burn it destroys also um the follicles and the sweat gland it destroys the follicles the hair follicles and the sweat gland in third degree burns that means because the nerve any are destroyed meaning um because the nerve any are destroyed meaning um there is not a huge pain sensation occurring in there there will be pain but the pain is less compared to second degree burns that means in third degree burn the picture will appear red to thin or they might be black brown or there will be waxy white in the color of the burn area it might be red you might see muzzle being burned it might be black it might be thin 
It might be sometimes white due to the burning, due to where the burn occur. It will appear like a light, like a it will have a, it will have a lettery, lettery appearance, like a letter. You have this lettery appearance in third degree burn, like you have like a letter material. That's how it's going to appear. Um, in third degree burn, there is no blanching because the skin is not there. So in third degree burn, there is no blanching because the skin is not there. So in the anklet, they might ask you which of the following degree, which of the following burn, the patient is expected to have blanching. Slow that apply. First degree burn, second degree superficial partial thickness burn, second degree deep partial thickness burn, and third degree don't have this. You got to pick a month. So in in third degree, there is no blanching because there is no skin. The skin is burned out. There is no dermis. There is no epidermis. There is no nerve ending. There is no sweat gland. Everything is destroyed by the burn. Then in this third degree burn, there is no pins at the burn center or where the burn, okay, there is no pain. But as healing taking place, as the burn site is healed, as we have tissues regenerations, pain will begin to come back in. Because when we are having tissue, re tissue regeneration, those damaged nerve cells will begin to come back into normalcy. So as they are coming back, the patient will begin to feel pains in this area. But at the beginning of the burn, of the inter degree burn, there is no pains. They will not have pains from the burn side. So as the healing taking place, then they will begin to have pains coming back in. The healing takes place within weeks to months. So this is not specified. It takes longer time. Weeks to months, healing will take place. Now, in third degree burns, there will be scarring. There will be scarring occurring in third degree burn, and the patient will need grafting. They might need skin grafting in third degree burn. They will need skin grafting in third degree burn because the skin is not there. How do replace? Because if we don't do skin replacement, there will be uh, scar tissue formation. So we we'll need skin replacement under here. Then our last one will be the fourth degree burn. We're almost done for the day. Fourth degree burns. In fourth degree burn, it is also deep full thickness burn. It's also called a deep thickness burn. So it's called deep full thickness. Deep full thickness burn. Deep full thickness burn. Burn. This is just four thickness. This is the deep four thickness burn in fourth degree burn. Um, under here is the worst one. Everything is burned. Everything. I mean, the skin, the tissues, the bones, the fascias, the muscles. Everything gets burned in here. So there's a burn occurring to the skin, both the dermis, both the epidermis. And the dermis, they get burnt under here. The next thing that's going to happen, the tissues are all damaged. They are burned. The fascia is burned also. The bones, the bones are affected in this fourth degree burn. Um, it appears with different color. They might be dull or dry, charring color. 
and you see visible ligaments. You see, you see visible, you see visible ligaments. Those muscles that joins bones to bone or muscle to bone, you see them visibly. You also see at this point the bones. You will see the patient bones from just from looking in the patient wound, in the patient burn because the tissues are all burned out. You see the patient bones out in this full view burn. There is no pain. It is not painful. It is not painful. It used within weeks to months. And this will require three things. One, there might be scarring in this fourth degree burns. They might have scarring. Well, not might. There will be scarring. That's one. They will need, sometimes they will need amputation. They need to amputate that body part because it is useless. They will need amputation and they're going to need skin grafting. They will need grafting. Grafting is needed in the case of fourth degree burn. That's what happened in fourth degree burn. Any question? So, you want to go to your book, look at these burns, make sure and know it very well. So, burns are classified according to minor burns, moderate burns, and major burns. That's how we classify burn cases. We have minor, major, and we have moderate burns. Now, what are the minor burns? Minor burns are those burns that we treat while the patient is at home. So, for minor burns, minor, we treat it at home. Patient comes in like OPD. They come to the OPD department, outpatient department, they come to the doctor office. We treat the burns there. It does not require admission for minor burns. Now, for um, for moderate burns, um, for for moderate burns, um, the treatment is in a hospital with expertise in burn care. So for moderate burn for moderate burn it can be done in a hospital with an expert meaning we can carry this we can admit this patient if he's in Pennsylvania this burn can go to Delaware Memorial Delaware County Memorial Hospital DCMH we can treat this patient there because it's a general hospital we can take the patient to <coughs> pain Presbyterian Hospital. They can get treatment there. The patient who has moderate moderate burn, if he live in Maryland, can go to John Hopkins. It's a general hospital. So moderate burn does not require us to go to burn unit or burn center. So we can go to burn unit at any hospital to get treatment. So we can put it in the rooms at any big hospital to give you treatment for burn, for moderate burn. Now, for severe burns, for se I'm sorry, for major burns, for major burns, this requires you to go to a burn center, a burn hospital. You must go to a burn hospital, not a burn unit. You must go to a burn. This will require a full hospital that, that, that just focus on burn patients. Because it is major burns. In this 
it requires a burn center that is just focusing on burn patient. So you can go to burn center. You can go to like as long as it could be like Amadou burn center. This burn, it gotta be a burn center in the case of a major burn. So these burns require different level of accurate. Um nursing care for minor burns. The first thing is you stop the burning process. You stop what causing the burn on the skin. You stop that. You place the child in a horizontal position and you roll the child with a blanket. You do log rolling if it is minor burn. Put the child in a blanket and you roll the child on the floor and the burn will, the, the, the flames will go off. Um, do not use ice on minor burns. You remove the drawers. You apply tepid water to the burn area. If it is chemical burn, minor chemical burn, you flush it with water, large amount of water, and you cover the burn with clean cloth to make sure to prevent contamination if it is minor burn. If it is minor burn, you also cleanse the air with soap and clean water. It's allowable. It's, um, if it is minor burn, we can, uh, some book says, you can, you can remove the blister. Some say you do not remove the blister. For me, I stay with you do not remove the blister. Why? Because brushing the blister will expose the wound to infection. So I will stay with the old school type that we do not brush the blister. It remains there until the fluid in the blister gets dry by itself. Some people say, but for me, I will say do not brush the blister. You clean the area with mild soap. You can use antimicrobial agent or ointment. You might dress it. You might use a non-adherent dressing. <clears throat> now, this is very important. For minor burns, you can use non-adherent dressing. One, you can use the this thing are in your book. Non-adherent dressing. Non-adherent dressing. DSG means dressing non-adherent dressing we can use um the hydrocolloid dressing hydrocolloid if you don't know this please know them the kind of burns and the dressing you need to use they are in the sander they are there in an exhibit in that book they are labeled in a table form and you gotta look at the dressing and know when they are required know the non-adherent here, this will use the fine mesh dressing. Use the hydrocolor dressing. The hydrocolor is for also is also called the occlusive dressing. This hydrocolor is sticks on the wound, so it is an occlusive dressing. These are the main points in the ankle. If you read the ankle book and you don't model these things, you're not reading the book. You have to remember these things and know them well. Y'all know what is the hydrocolor dressing? When can it be used? Why are we using hydrocolor dressing? You gotta know that. Now, the hydrocolor dressing can be used, provide warmth, and the child needs to be uh, taken care of, provide the patient with, with uh, analgesia, give them, uh, you gotta know the child, taking, the child to be update, up to date with their vaccinations. Those are the nursing management for 
a minor dressing, a, a minor burn. Now, for a major burn, for major burns, let's look at major burns. So we say for major burns, um, they cannot be at home. For major burns, it needs to be at a burn center. Major burns. For major burns, we want to make sure we maintain airway and ventilation. The first thing, because major burn will interfere with the airway. We'll do airway and breathing, A and B, to improve C, circulation. We got to make sure the patient should be at a very high O2 saturation. If it is, if they are not at that point, then we have to give them supplemental humidifier O2. Monitor the patient vital sign, maintain a good cardiac output. We initiate IV access with a large bore character. We have to initiate initiate IV access with a large bowl catheter for this major burn. We gotta make sure um, we do fluid replacement. For the first 24 hours, we gotta do fluid replacement for the first 24 hours. Now, in the first 24 hours, we use isotonic crystallized uh, we'll use isotonic crystalloid solutions. Crystalloid solution example is 0.9% saline. For the first 24 hours, we'll use isotonic crystalloid solution. Know what these solutions are. Example, you have 0.9% saline solution um also we could use ranger lactate also for on here it could be ranger lactate <clears throat> it is also a crystal law solution we could also use um uh, <clears throat> these are the solution we use for brain recovery so these are the crystalloid solutions now we could also use the colloid solution so these are critical solutions we could also use the colloid the colloid solutions now examples for these color solutions are these are the endless topic you need to know i will keep saying it as i'm going through them for the colors for the colloid solution you need to use plasma or albumin after 24 hours. So you need to use the plasma, the albumin, after the first, after the first 24 to 48 hours. Because in the first 24 hours, we're using what? We're using crystal loss solution. In the first 24 hours after the burn, we're using the crystal loss solution. After the first 24 hours, we use the color solution, which include the plasma and the albumin. We use the plasma and the albumin after this period. 
for brain recovery. One of methane a urine output of 0.5 to 1 ml per kg per hour. When a client gets burned, or the methane urine output, urinary output of 0.5 to 1 ml per kg per hour, or every hour, 1 ml per hour. That is every hour, every hour, one of methane a urine output of 0.5 to 1 ml per kg per hour. If the child is less than 30 kg, of a child who's less than 30 kg. So the child must maintain a urinary output of 0.5 to 1 ml per kg per hour if the child is less than 30 kg. This is important for the class. Very important for the remember this very well. Now, um, we can also um, maintain urine output of 30 ml per hour. Urine output of 30 ml per hour if the child is above 30 kg. The child above 30 kg, the child needs to maintain a urine output of 30 ml <coughs> per hour if the child weighs more than 30 kg. Be prepared to administer blood products in the case of major burns. Be prepared. You want to also monitor symptoms for septic shock and notify the doctor. The child who has this, con who is in this burn condition, the child needs to be monitored for septic shock. Septic shock. I hope you know the symptom for septic shock. <clears throat> if they have any signs of septic shock, you need to contact the doctor. What are the signs? One, increased capillary refill. One, you have increased, increased capillary refill. That's one. Two, um, um, spiking fever. If they have spiking fever, gotta report it. If they have multiple or cold extremity, multiple, if they have multiple or cold, cold extremity, you gotta, you gotta report it. If they have, um, <clears throat> if they have decreased bowel sounds, decreased bowel sounds, If they have decreased bowel sounds, you gotta report it. Um, if they also have, if they also have um, decreased bowel sounds, you gotta report it. If they also have tachypnea, if they have tachypnea, meaning decreased breath rate, if they have tachycardia, meaning increased uh, heart rate, you got to report this symptom to the doctor because these are symptoms of um <clears throat> of, 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 of 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 septic shock that needs prompt intervention. If they have alteration in sensation, meaning confusion, you gotta also report that also. These are uh, <clears throat> the symptoms of septic shock 
that needs to be reported when the patient have these signs. Any question? So we gotta prevent. So for brain cases, our concerns become one to manage pains. That's number one. We want to manage the patient pain symptoms. That's one in burn cases. Number two, we want to prevent infection because the pain comes from infection. So, uh, in infection is a potential nursing diagnosis in brain cases. Infection is a potential nursing diagnosis, meaning it is not right away. It might occur if we don't put in measure that will prevent it. They might have infection. So it is not above pain. So pain is the number one problem in burn. Because when you get burned, you start to feel pains. So management of pain is number one. Number two, you have infection. Um, number three, you want to you, you want to provide nutrition support. Number three, become nutrition. Because with nutrition, healing takes place faster. Number three, become nutrition. Provide balance nutrition for the patient who is burned. You want to restore mobility is number four. Rest restoration of mobility. Restore mobility. Um, you want to restore mo mo mobility. And the fourth, the fifth one becomes you want to provide psychological support. Psychological support for the patient. These are the steps we use to provide patients with this uh with, to help the patient with this, we, 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 we use this because they help the patient. That's how we prioritize the patient needs. We want to help them. Now, in providing management of pains, we want to monitor the pains, provide medication for the patient who who, who needs the medication. It could be opioids. It could be other analgesic medications. Um, we want to, for infection, we want to use thinner precaution. You, you want to use thinner precautions. When performing wound care, you want to restrict the plants and flowers due to risk of contact with other causative agents that might cause infection. You want to make sure you provide um, you administer tetanotoxoid injection to prevent tetanus for brain patients to prevent infection. For nutritional support, you want to increase caloric intake for brain patients. They will need more calorie increase calorie intake to increase metabolic demands and prevent hypoglycemia for brain patients. Nutritional wise, you increase the calorie intake to maintain increased cal to, 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 to maintain um, the calorie demand and prevent hypoglycemia. You want to increase protein intake to prevent breakdown, to prevent breakdown of tissues and promote healing. Protein will prevent tissue breakdown and will increase healing for protein. For calorie, it will increase, it, it will meet the increased metabolic demands and will prevent uh, hypoglycemia. Um, we can provide TPN, total parental nutrition for the patient who is burned, who having major burns. Um, to restore mobility, we will maintain correct body alignment to restore mobility. We provide proper body alignment. We want to make sure we maintain active and passive range of motion.
to prevent contractions of, of after brain want to make sure to provide the rifle positioning to prevent uh, uh, contractures want to assist in ambulation in uh, moving the patient around that is ambulation as soon as possible um, want to provide pressure to dressing to prevent scarring because when you do not provide pressure dressing to major burns it leads to scarring and those scarings will prevent will, will create contractures that will prevent movement of the body joints that's why you got to provide pressure dressing when a patient has burn conditions you want to also assess um this the last portion which is providing psychological support you want to meet the patient parents because this is pediatrics talk to the patient um developmental wise look at the, the support they need assess of coping and you want to use family-centered approach to provide coping for the patient for the medication for burns so remember these four things infection nutrition uh mobility and psychological support those are things we're concerned about when there is a major burns the last portion becomes um medication burns wise we want to use certain medication one we can use um topical agents there are three most common topical agents one is silver sulfurdazine we use silver then or call it silver sulfur um sulfurdazine for brain patient silver then or silver sulfurdazine we can use the maffinite acetate we can use the maffinite um maffinite acetate for the patient we can also use um for this silver is used for second and third degree burns is applied to skin when the skin has been debrided we do skin debridement and we apply it for the maffinite c acetate it is applied to second and third degree burns it is applied when the skin has been debrided cleansed then we can apply it there um we, we, we can use a sterile glove to apply the maffinite acetate to the skin we use a sterile glove because it, is, it should be a sterile procedure to prevent infection we can use the bacitracin the bacitracin as a third cream of choice to prevent secondary infection this is this cream prevents secondary infection after burn um we can use other drugs like uh, the morphine sulfate is an analgesia to prevent pains we can use medazolam we can use fentanyl we can use purple we can also use um like in the we can, we can use natural oxide can be used also we can do wound care we dress the wound of the patient appropriately um for the skin covering i'm going to run through this very fast we can use one uh for skin graft there are different skin graft we can use in this situation one we can use um the allograft uh allograft a l l o g r a f t we can use the allograft 
The allograft is a human skin from cadavers. We use the cadavers, that is dead person's skin, to replace burned skin of a patient who's got burned, who, who got burned, cadavers, um, for allograft. We can use the xenograft, xenograft. This is cadavers, cadavers on right here. It's important for the anchors, very important. Allograft is for cadavers. We use human skin, their skin, their person's skin to replace the human skin who, who got burned. We can use the xenograft. Xenograft is obtained for animals. So xenograft are animal skin. Example, you have the pigs. The pig skin can be used to, to do xenograft. Xenograft is for animal skin. Like the pig um, for partial thickness burn. For allograft, we use the full thickness burn or deep thickness burn. For xenograft is partial thickness burn, we use animal skin. We could use synthetic skin covering, synthetic skin coverings. Example for this, we could use, um, like we could use it for partial thickness burn. We can use artificial skin, meaning skin that was made in the laboratory. We could use artificial skin, skin that was, skin that are produced in the laboratory through chemicals that skin could be used um this this can be used to 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 pr provide faster healing so these are all skin coverings we could use other permanent skin covering like autograft autograft is the client own skin autograft meaning we take the skin from your buttocks and put it on your arm or your face that is autograft we use your own skin from other part of the body we place it, we place it on this on where the burn occur. That is other graph. We could use a sheet graft. Sheet graft is S H E E T sheet graft. For sheet graft, we could use um the sheet of the skin used to cover the wound. We could use that skin to cover the wound with, with a sheet of, of a skin. We could use a mesh graft, M-E-S-H, a mesh. M-E-S-H, mesh graft. For the mesh graft, it is used, uh, we place a measure of the skin, fine mesh skin work, which will allow to have a larger area of the skin when there's a larger area of the skin burn. We can use all these things to provide for the patient. Those are, I guess, the most important thing that we use in the skin graft. Any question?